Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and we will soon be joined by my co-host and guest, uh, Julian Darius. This is part two of our trip down the superhero highway. Uh, we're looking at our top ten superhero movies. We've already done some uh, honourable mentions, some of the bits and pieces, and we've done ten down to six. So here, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be jumping from five down to one. This is our top five between us. What do we think we're going to be? Well, I won't hold uh, you back any further. I shall hand this over to myself and Julian and enjoy our top five. Right. Number, Number five. five. Number five, yes. So we're really getting to the crunch of it now because we're really getting into those sort of later films. Um, top five. Yeah, this is top five. So number five for me, you said Superman 2. I am putting in Superman the movie, 1978. Um. I, I agree with what you said about it not overall aging as well as some people think. But there's there's a sort of a... It's a film... I, I legit, It moves me, this film does, in a weird way. Like, it's it's long. Like, it's, lo- you know... Um, but it's, it's almost like a biography. You know, you sort of, like, watch a biopic, you know. But this is sort of like, oh, here's the whole life of Clark leading up to this first mm. encounter. Um and I so I love all the stuff with young Clark, you know, when he's on the farm and that, you know, and the I, when his dad dies and stuff like that, you know, um <laughs> it works a lot better than when Kevin Costner gets it, let me put it that way. Um, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and so yeah the, the, the you know that it works because the reason obviously is like you know it's the one thing he can't do anything about all this superpowers and he can't sort of help mm. someone's heart and all sort of stuff. So there's something about it that just feels iconic to me. Um, you know, Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor. Like it's got it, it's Silver Age. I mean, this is this is Silver Age Superman. Like it's not to be taken wholly serious. Um, but this is where I sort of hold up certain films. We've talked about Wonder Woman. You know, um, with Gal Gadot, um, Tobey Maguire as Spider Man. Um, to me, sort of like Christopher Reeve just embodied, at least as a kid, this was my entry point really to superhero films. So for me, like Christopher Reeve just embodied Superman at that point. You know, that sort of like, um, mm, mm-hmm. you know, you you know, that thing of having to save people, but like integrity, but without being too schmaltzy. Like he could kick your ass, but he was still, you know, he still had that integrity. He didn't have to be, as you said, like, you know, he's, He's bigger, like he put on muscle and stuff to do the role, and he's only wearing, you know, lycra and a bit of water, like stretchy cotton. So he looks fine, but he's not huge, and he doesn't have to be mm. cut and wear a muscle suit and all this other stuff. Like, you know, um, and even his performance as as the the sort of the almost sort of like forties style um, banter between the dialogue and banter between him and and Margot Kidder and stuff as those sort of. Mm. You know, classic style reporters is is just I love all that stuff. I really do. Um, so no, to me, yeah, Superman the movie is just um, so iconic. And you know, again, I don't I haven't watched it in probably a couple of years, and I really should. But it just sort of I can picture it in my head. Um, and uh, even the silly stuff, like you know, when he comes out of the sort of phone booth and uh, the sort of like the the black guy comes out and he's like, you know, that's the damn outfit. Like, you know, it's really got that seventies vibe where you're just like, oh yeah, this is not great. 
but you know, it's all done in innocence and that sort of thing. So yeah, I think it just works for me. That film just works. Well, it's a classic. I'm, I'm not mm. gonna. I'm not gonna knock you for including it. I mean, it's a classic. Uh, and and you know, my instinct tells me the same thing, right? I mean, uh, I, I'm not gonna knock you. Um, I got to see it. I got to see it recently in theaters, mm. um, and maybe a couple of years ago, and uh, it, it digital projection, and it was. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think that it, it held up as much as I wanted it to. It's got us. It's also got a lot of like oddities that we kind of like forget. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it, including like Krypton is like in another galaxy. Like, you know, when he when he goes to I love the Fortress of Solitude. I mean, I love the, you know, crystal technology. Mm. I love all this stuff. When he makes the Fortress of Solitude and he. He, there's this sort of like, you know, uh, 2001-esque kind of sequence as he creates a Fortress of Solitude and like unites with the uh, intelligence of Krypton yes. that's still in the crystals. What everybody forgets is there is a line that makes it crystal clear, so to speak, that he has been astral projected through the cosmos yeah. uh, for... <laughs> untold years you know and that's why he's like aged between the two shots like i mean oh. it's that's bad i mean there's stuff oh, it's that... it's biblical but, isn't it it's, it's jesus being in the desert for things like this is you know coming back it's, it's yeah it's stupid but, I yeah i yeah. mean there's stuff like that that you know doesn't hold up so great yeah. i mean but yeah no it's a classic and and i i'm with you on <clears throat> not i just want to say you know i'm with you on chris reeves uh i also want to say that uh i love what you say about him Sure, he buffed off for the role. His Clark Kent is my Clark Kent. Yeah. You know, he is my Superman. Um, and cool. to me, he has that sense of grace. Yes. You know, and you can have those shots of him flying around. And yes, of course, you know, it looks like he's on a dolly, you know. Yeah. But. You but, believe you believe a man can fly around a studio. That's what it's all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you know, I mean, they were doing it before, long Ooh. before anyone else, and it still looks good. But he has a sense of grace. It's that miracle man thing, right? Yes. Of like 100%. just alighting in the air, as opposed to when I see these more recent Superman actors, and I think I don't want Superman to look like Thor. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's fine for Thor. But that's not what Superman's supposed to look like, right? You, there's no amount of muscles that can lift the building, right? You know, that your muscles aren't doing the work, as, as it, it points out in Miracle Man. And so having this alien sense of grace, this sense of beauty, this sense of mm. aesthetics, um, this lightness. Superman always had a kind of lightness to him. You know, Thor is supposed to be a wall of a man, right? Yeah. Big yeah. and imposing. You know, Superman had a lightness, a, a, you know, a, almost ballerina-esque, you know, grace to him. And that was his power. Mm. It, it was this quiet, you know, power, this quiet beauty. And I think that just aesthetically, it really takes something away when you cast a guy who looks like Chris Hemsworth, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that was always my thing with um, Henry Cavill, who is sort of like, he looks fine. And when he stood there, you go, yeah, fine. But he never has that same sort of, he's a bit more lumpy. 
you know, he's obviously and he, and he works in other films. He's a good actor. I've enjoyed him and stuff. But yeah, Christopher Reeve has Christopher Reeves has that grace. I think is a really good word to describe it. Uh, lightness of touch. Um, but he is a true Boy Scout. Like you know, like he is yeah. going to sort of yeah. like he is going to take on a sort of a robbery, and he is going to get a cat out of a tree. Like he is going to do this, <laughs> thing. And, it, and and both are just as important to him. So no, I I think it's just it. it I can't. The one thing I, I cannot de- defend the the Margot Kidder sort of like you know, can you read my mind? Kind of all that sort of thing. Is... Oh no, I, I will <laughs> defend that. That's a, that's a classic. Uh, that flight sequence is uh, uh, amazing, and I will defend that to the end of time. I mean, she, you know, she loves him. You know, she and and you know, can you read my mind? That's a perfectly reasonable question no, about a guy who can yeah. fly. It's the fact of it's not so much the words; it's how long it goes on for, and wow. some of the bits where I'm just like, okay, we get the point. Come on, that you don't need this whole. Thing. Some of this should be edited down to this film, but other than that, I I, I like that film. I think it's such a of its time, um, mm. and I do think we've sort of lost that. And I think when we had Man of Steel, like there's a generation that are like, no, Superman should come and kick your ass, and you're like, oh, he doesn't need to. Like that's sort of like you know. Um, no, Superman is very conscious of the fact that he could fly up into orbit and and kill everyone on the planet with heat vision. Okay, yes. like he doesn't need to fly in with his fists. Uh, you know, yeah. What, he, what was it like? Superman returns. He's a god. Like Superman returns in um, like the early two thousands. I can't remember, but that like uh, the guy who played him there got that sort of. A, he had a similar. You know, they were looking for a similar thing. So I think you know they kind of missed that as they've gone forward but anyway yeah so what's so what's your then number five my number five is my top marvel film on this list which is the avengers 2012 mm. um i think that it's interesting like Avengers is very similar to the joker in a sense um they're both sort of like they're not what i want out of a movie but they are the best version of themselves, which is a sort of like narrow scope movie mm. that you can possibly imagine, right? Like if if you, we don't need a Marty Scorsese Joker movie, but if you had one, this is going to be directed within an inch of its life, right? Yes. We don't need a popcorn movie, you know, uh, superheroes as just absurdly powerful guys who could, bash each other through skyscrapers but this is going to be that movie within an inch of its life you know and i think um it just works it's it, it's fun it, it it doesn't get at the deeper stuff that i want superhero mm-hmm. movies to get at um you know i remember leaving it it was it was the summer of dark knight rises which of course yeah you know, i think it's a big yeah, yeah. failure um and and but i remember leaving the theaters and thinking that was as good as I could possibly imagine this movie being. It was the ultimate popcorn movie I've probably ever seen. And it was ultimately one so vapid and about nothing. And I can't wait to see Chris Nolan do it right. And then the universe made me eat those words. (laughs) Um, So no, I mean, the Avengers, it's, it's a classic. It's fun. If you're going to do the sort of like guardians of the galaxy, you know, witty, fun, superhero kind of, you know, offbeat, you know, uh, stuff that doesn't take us too seriously. This is the Paragon. Mm. Mm. I agree with that. 
Um, will be interesting because we are going to touch on it again. Um, but I agree. No, I think you say it's the paragon of like it's it's that thing of like you know superhero films. You can you can go for something and make make a you know have a message or they can be doing something with a character. You know, um, really pushing or. They can be just like this is a summer event movie, like you know, it's just like they have like a summer event comic, and we're going to use, we're really going to try and give you that sensation of like these are like your superheroes as you want them to be. You know, they are good guys. We're going to try and remove that complexity for now, and you're just going to have um, a ball, and just sort of like it presents mm. that almost like perfect comic book to me. Um, which may allude to where it is, but like, yeah, no, I think the Avengers is, is, is a good pick. Um, and I will be touching on it a bit more later. Yeah. I think it's the sort of classic MCU film for a reason. Like all mm. other MCU films are trying to do this, right? Yeah. They're trying to do exactly this kind of genie in the bottle fun, you know, even the stuff that doesn't quite work, like it's a quip that doesn't quite work or whatever. You're still like, ah, that's charming. And doesn't take itself so seriously. And, you know, what am I out like two seconds of my life, you know, onto the next thing, you know? Um, and I think yeah. that is like the quintessential MCU feel. Well, it was also like, I think it's the culmination it's the feel of it. Mm. Like, you know, one of the things I think the MCU has been very successful at is at least it will phase the first, quite the, they call it the infinity saga. So that first mm. sort of like up, up to end game. One of the things it knew, it was like, we're building to this moment where, you know, we're gonna have payoff after payoff. Like in some of it, sort of overblown a little bit, but payoff after payoff. And the, the the Avengers was the first one that did that. Where you're like, you've had Phase One, we've given you Iron Man and Iron Man Two. You've had Thor, and now and then, you know, we've given you Captain America: First Avenger. And the First Avenger didn't have a post credit scene. It ha- its post credit scene is a trailer for the Avengers. Mm. And I remember being sat in the cinemas having watched. Captain America just watching this trailer and being like, "Oh shit, they're doing it! Like this is serious! Like they're actually like this is this looks really good. They're they're going for it, and it just sort of felt like an event. It felt like an event. Like, truly Don't forget felt Hulk, like Hulk's in there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had, like, you're yeah. right. I mean, it, and I think much more than the you know, I'm not a fan of the the way that whole you know um, Infinity War kind of stuff you know the whole Thanos stuff mm. winds up none of that works for me but this works for me mm. and this is you know seeing them all together and seeing the magic of those characters all together and some of those movies preceding it are okay and some of them are horrible but hey they made those fucking movies right yeah. you know yeah. I mean <laughs> nobody thought they could ever do that they made those movies and this is the magic where you see it coming together you see you know, this and the irony is this is the Justice League, right? Yeah. This is the Justice League model. It's like, you know, you have all those characters established. They make sense on their own. Now we're going to put them all together. Um, that was much more of the Justice League model than it was, mm. you know, the Avengers. Um, but they did it first as a, in a movie in the Avengers. And damned if it doesn't work. Yeah. No, I agree. I, it, it works for a reason. Um, okay. So that's our number fives. Number four, hit me with your number four. Uh, Superman Returns. Uh, ah, so we just, yeah. Super, yeah. Okay. yeah, so Superman Returns, you know, much for all of the reasons we were talking about about Chris Reeves. Um, I think Brandon Routh is the guy. I mean, obviously, look, they should have continued with Superman Returns. It, it, 
structurally it's a little bit of a mess but again you cannot imagine better casting mm. this is mm. this is the guy who should have played superman this is you know lois this is you know the whole set the whole thing um all of the stuff that you talked about how much you love superman and how it triggers the nostalgia stuff i agree with this movie does all of that yeah for me it, it manages to trigger all of that. But, you know, why I have so much admiration for it is it does all of that. It still makes it updates its look. It updates its feel. It looks amazing. But then it takes the superhero story in a new direction that it's never been taken. And and I think that in contrast to like the MCU films, we just talked about the Avengers and how like they're stuck. in. you're talking about stuck in that second act. Mm -hmm. Right. This is a movie that refuses to be stuck in a second act. This is a movie that says, right, you know, Superman's got a kid. And, you know, time's going to pass. And the newness of everybody loves Superman is going to fade. He left for five years. You know, he's got a kid. How do you deal with being a parent uh, if you're Superman? How do you understand these responsibilities? And how do you deal with, you know... The other thing is the love interest that we, you know, whether it's Spider-Man, whether it's, you know, uh, Lois Lane, we always have these kind of like iconic love interests. Well, you know, you get married or you don't, but fast forward <laughs> five, 10 years, it's not going to be perfect anymore. It's, you know, we get to see these characters in their honeymoon phase. And by Superman Returns, we're after the honeymoon phase. Uh, she's over it. Um and I think that that is really beautiful and it really pushes the superhero into uh, these uncomfortable new spaces, these brave new spaces, uh, while also showing what made those uh, classic Superman movies work and that you can do that in a modern aesthetic and get it right. This is the movie that gets it right. It made as much money as Man of Steel. Mm -hmm. it sh it should have been the basis of a dc universe instead of being thrown out and we get a crummy version of it in man of steel um yeah i would love to see you know there's an alternate timeline in which they decided to stick with this and do the zod movie as you know superman returns to and uh i would have gotten you know a lot better you know brandon ralph teaming up with you know uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. I mean, we would have gotten some really cool stuff. So it's it's an interesting film. It's an interesting film, and I like. Um, it's I haven't watched it for a while, but it's one of those films that, I, that, that when it works, it really works. And you're right. I, do, I was trying to his name, but yeah, Brandon Ralph is excellent. Um, when they introduce, it, it starts to get clunky towards the end when you have like mopey Superman sort of like floating around, and then they introduce the kid. And then, or then all of a sudden, or then the kid's got super strength, and you're like, "Hang on, this is coming a bit too quick for me." You've done quite a long film, but you still sort mm -hmm. of seem to be cramming stuff in. So you're right; the pacing sort of feels weird. Um, and it's one of those where I think they hadn't really figured out how to do, let's call them legacy sequels at this point, where they're like, "And we're going to do the same plot, and we're going to have Kevin Spacey play Lex Luthor, but we're we're going to lean into." The stuff I love in in nineteen seventy eight, and the one reason I love it, but they don't quite they update a lot of it. But Kevin Spacey is a bit of an oddball in this, where I'm like, some scenes I love what he's doing, others it feels mm. a little bit like, oh, 
mm, this feels a bit weird. Um, and so, yeah, it never quite lands. All these parts of it don't land enough for me. But it almost feels like they were aiming for a much longer story. Well, they clearly were because they set up a bunch of loose, th- you know, loose threads that never get resolved within the film. Um, and I would have loved to have seen a follow up to this. So I, you know, it, it would never make my top ten. I've got, I've got to say, but <laughs> it's 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 a it's a bravo effort though for bringing back a Superman and going, oh, we're going to do this. I mean, Brian Singer sort of come bringing him back and going, we're going to follow the Christopher Reeve, ignore three and four. I mean, this is what Halloween did, and other films have done, haven't they? Like the Terminator franchise has done it a number of times. Forget those films. This follows on from like this was like, oh, this follows on from one and two. I think was the idea. Maybe I don't. Know, maybe mm-hmm. just one. Right. Um, no, it's it's one and two. Yeah, yeah. and explicitly uh, Zod was going to be in the sequel. That was the right. whole thing. It's like you do X Men and then you do X Two, and you've got you know a little more confidence, a little more budget. You can do yeah. the big drama stuff. Um, so you know, it would have been interesting to see where it went. You say about a follow up, just to throw in there, because I don't know if you've ever seen it. There was a the Arrowverse, the CW channel did all mm-hmm. the Arrow films. Uh, you know, the, the Arrow, the Flash, Supergirl, bunch of other stuff, Batwoman, the Flash. Um, they did a Crisis on Infinite Earth storyline, and obviously Brandon Routh came back to play um, uh, Ray Palmer, the Atom, and I loved him in um, Legends of Tomorrow. I actually think that's one of my favorite of the the Arrow shows. Um, but they also did one where they've got a new guy playing Superman whose name escapes me right now. But they went to an alternate universe and they did the uh, Fallen... Is it called Fallen Kingdom? Um, Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come, thank you very much. They did the Kingdom Come style Superman where he's got like the, the black background on the S mm-hmm. and he's a bit older and he's got the grey hair. Um, and this was supposed to have bit That was sort of indicating, oh, we're going to do the Kingdom Come, but that is from the 2006 Superman Returns. So we're going to just continue that forwards and it's it's become... The uh, yeah. uh, thing, and it, it's a wonderful, you know, uh, moment and cameo, and they're using really well. Um, but the problem with it is, you do watch it and you watch Brandon Routh, and you just go, Yeah, we really missed a shot, like, we missed something special here, like, we really missed something special here, like, you know, all you're doing is showing me like what I could have had, and it's really unfortunate. Mm. Um, well, I, I feel that way. I, you know, I would just say that, you know, you say like they hadn't quite got the legacy thing right. I think this is my template for doing the legacy thing. Mm. Um, you know, when I see all these legacy movies, you know, um, that try to introduce like the next generation, you know, but they're trying to keep the original character the same and not let that character evolve. Right. It's mm. like, you know. Indiana Jones gets married and has a kid, but then he's got to lose him because we got to keep reverting him to the classic Indiana, you know, even even if we're going to take him in a new direction and end the franchise. Right. Yeah. We've got to constantly revert so that we can take them in a new direction. Superman Returns takes him in a new direction Mm. and shows him getting old and melancholy, you know, and it's still the same, you know, optimistic Superman. But it's got this like beautiful melancholy streak. I think the whole, you know, it's funny you mentioned that Margot Kidder, you know, um, flying sequence. I think the flying sequence in Superman Returns, which is explicitly a reference to that, is one of the most beautiful things ever put on celluloid. I think it is, you know, 
it, it makes me cry every time. It is so beautifully melancholy, um, you know, to remember this magical moment in mm. which somebody loved you, right? In the, in the throes of new love. And, you know, of course, you know, you were the Superman, <laughs> yeah. you know, but time has passed and it's, it's melancholy, but still so beautiful. Um, and I don't know many moments in, in, in film period, but certainly in superhero movies that captures that kind of, you know, beautiful nuance of happiness and melancholy at the same time. Mm. Um, it, it's stuff like that. So no, that's a good point. Good film. Okay. You're number four. Number four. Yeah. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, This is, for me, like I said, I I think the Captain America trilogy is an odd one because it sort of expands, obviously, get Civil War as the third one. But this one leans into that Ed Brubaker series, which is quintessential uh, Captain America. I, I absolutely adore that run that he did and the introduction of Bucky Barnes back as the Winter Soldier and all this other stuff. Um, and the fact that this is a um, it is a superhero film, like Captain America is definitely a superhero, but then to have this sort of to do it in this, you know, um, not so grounded, but to introduce this sort of like they ever saw it's like a spy film, it has those elements, it definitely has those elements, but this feels you know, um, putting Captain America on the run, you know, um, having him to face sort of like Bucky and they bring back in the design of the Winter Soldier's ace. Um, but the choreography in this, it's just sort of like it's a it's a it's almost just a fantastic action film in and of itself as well. Um and it it sort of it, it has the heart as well. Like, you know, this is the you've had the, you know, you the first Captain America film is um a pulpy adventure film, you know, like it looks that way. You've got they can't use bullets because they've got laser guns and you know Hugo Weaving playing the Red Skull, who I think is wonderful, but like is a bit arch and is playing it very much sort of like in that vein. But this is, um, you know, like Hydra. This is about the sort of, the, you know, this is uh, Smirsh or Spectre or, you know, those kinds of things hiding out in plain sight, this fear of, you know, the enemy within. Um, but just the way the pacing works and everything like you know this is captain america is height this is the wolverine you know that i really wanted like you know it still ends in the big shooty shooty bang bang but it, i like it in this um but i also like the relationship of how they introduce uh the falcon you know they introduce sort of like sam in this as well and again just sort of um i also think this is the best this film gives us the best version of uh the black widow um as well um, beyond this, sort of like she becomes incredibly choppy as a character. I think of all the characters, I think Scarlett Johansson got yanked the most from idea to idea, unfortunately. Um, but to me, yeah, this is almost like peak MCU. Like you could take it out of the MCU and it's just a really good, solid um, superhero film. You're going to blow yeah, me down, I aren't mean, you? <laughs> n- no, no. I mean, I, I remember liking it when I Mm. saw it and thinking, you know, that was a pretty solid, you know, espionage movie, you know, Mm. doing the superhero espionage movie. I think, you know, part of the problem with espionage movies, and I'm a big fan of them, but part of the problem with them is that I sort of don't remember them after I'm done, Mm. you know, Um, that they don't sort of like stick in my memory in, in the same way that other movies do. And 
this is sort of the same way where I sort of remember, you know, like I like this, you know, I thought, well, that was, that was a good movie. And, and I just sort of thought, well, you know, it, it didn't amount to, to much or it didn't, you know, uh, stick in my memory in the same way. Um, so I don't remember it super well. I remember liking it. I mean, I, some of the stuff, the action sequences work. I mean, the Bucky Barnes stuff doesn't work as well for me, but you know, it's, it's solid, right. You mm. know, the thing that really bothers me about this movie is within the context of the MCU, this is at the end, they reveal all of shield's files, right? Yeah. So the whole world knows who black widow is. They know who, you know, they know everything that shield mm. has ever done. There will never be any movie or TV show after this in which shield has a secret. And I know that the MCU kept to that because it's the whole idea is it's a shared universe, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, you are right. And it comes up, it's one of those weird ones that sort of comes up when the plot requires it. Like later down the line, that there are there are sort of like, you know, in films there's like drop lines where they're like, um, yeah, following this sort of like, you know, the expulsion of Hydra and the release of the secrets, we now know this. And then it's just not yeah. mentioned again. Then in like four films later, someone else has sort of mentioned it. So it was sporadic. I think it was it was a little early to do that. Um but no, you say about the Espanol film, I agree. One of the things that sort of sticks into me about this film, you say about things that mean things, superior films that mean things, sort of thing like one of the things I like about this film is um, I liked when superheroes are at their peak. You know, you, you get the, the, the amount of origin films we get and stuff, you know, because uh, you've got to start somewhere. But this is like Cap at his peak. Like, you know, we've, this is post Avengers. You know, he's mm. established in the new time. He's now part of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's going on these missions. He's doing his thing. Like, you know, he's, he's having this, he's building relationships and sort of forming these things. And he's sort of for to him, he's like, well, I'm part of this organization. Like, we won a, a, a good war in World War II. Like, you know, we beat the Nazis, we beat Hydra. And then to be confronted with the fact that, well, actually, you sort of didn't, and there were compromises after you were gone, and it's resulted in this, this and this, and you know, we're still here, and actually, we're, we're we're you know, we've been directing things. I I love that I've been confronted with oh, all that stuff you thought you had done, and it was all good, but it wasn't as honest or it wasn't as um, clean as you thought it was. Um, I find kind of interesting as well. Um, so yeah, no, it works for me. It's, 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 a, it's a really sort of it's just solid for me. It's one of the films I do watch is quite a lot actually. It's a frequent watch. It, it, it's a good movie. I'll, I'll admit it's a good movie. I, I think you mentioned it was sort of peak MCU. I would say to me, like the Avengers is sort of peak MCU. Yeah. Captain America Winter Soldier is sort of like post peak, but it's doing what I think the MCU would have had to do to survive, you mm. know, if it artistically, which is move into other genres, right? Mm -hmm. Say, okay, you know, you can do, there's no reason why you can't do a, a great espionage movie, you know, a Jean-Luc Carré film, you know, with Captain America. That's absolutely what you need to be doing. And this is, you know, this is the film that kind of pointed in that direction, which obviously was completely abandoned in favor of, you know, homogenization. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, so, I mean, I think this stands in my mind as sort of like, sort of one of the post-peak kind of like ways the MCU could have gone mm. um, and, and sort of been more interesting or artistically successful for me. 
Yeah, no, I agree. It's a cover of what you could have won. And I think this is the problem. I think the MCU did become a bit homogenized. And even like beyond the Infinity Sagas have gone forward, they sort of like tried to dip into this again. And they've gone like, we're giving you a Kung Fu film mm. with Shang-Chi. And you go, awesome. So we're going to have like, you know, like a proper Kung Fu style movie. Yeah. And then you watch it and you're like, this isn't, this is a, this is a Marvel movie with Kung Fu in it. Like, you know, this isn't, what you promised me, um, and yeah, you know, they do it again and again. Yeah, this ma- this out. makes uh, the Iron Fist, uh, you know, Netflix series look good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the end of Shang Chi is awful, but anyway, that, you know, on no one's list. Um, yes, yeah, so that's my number four. So should we jump to number? I'm going to jump to number three straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, um, my number three is going to be interesting because I, I, I think it's maybe closer to number one for you. But The Dark Knight mm. is my number three. Um. This is this is sort of two thousand and eight. I think this was about the same year as Iron Man. Um, this is a fantastic film. Again, this is that sort of like same as like Spider Man two, isn't it? It's that, that, that it's at the peak. It gets everything, pretty much everything, kind of right, um, and everything works in this film. Um, it, you know, it's established a world. You know, it's not going to be too fantastical. Um, it's going to have all these elements. And it's going to sort of like try and stick to those rules. Um, it, not everything works. I think you and I both sort of say that, that. I think we've said about the sonar thing at the end is a bit mm. silly, but I get it within the, the, the construct of this film. Um, and also, I look back on the question of like, who's the best Batman and all this other stuff. And I think that's almost almost a bit... It almost is, is silly in the context because it's like, well, the best Batman has to exist in the best world. You know, sort of like, mm-hmm. you couldn't lift... Um, Christian Bale and place him in a Tim Burton world. Like it wouldn't work. You know, you couldn't then place Michael Keaton into Batman v Superman. Like it wouldn't while well, they tried it, it, it didn't work. Like you need those it's the the elements that surround the Batman are the bits that actually sort of make it what it is. Um and I feel that sometimes like the Dark Knight feels like some like almost like the most realized it's the most real, but it's almost the most realized world for Batman to exist in. Um, and also, obviously, Heath Ledger's Joker has become iconic. You know, his performance is fantastic. It's, you know, even if I'm sort of like, I, I want this this need to move away. And I know he's got a painted face. I'm like, for fuck's sake, just bleach his skin. Like, you know, I just, just, you know, I, I want that um, Brian Bolland kind of like, look, someone just give me the Brian Bolland sort of Joker, for God's sake. Um, but yeah, everything works in this, and even sort of like uh, the Two Face and all that sort of stuff. It all sort of kind of works for me. So um, the only thing I would say about this, it weirdly sort of sets up becoming a second origin film in a weird kind of way. So the first one establishes Batman, and then they're like, everyone's pro Batman. Oh, we've really got to turn the world against Batman for this other stuff. So it sort of it becomes like a new status quo, which yeah um, is a little bit you know I'm like oh okay, but. It, it's a bit well, of so let's talk about that. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, this is this is a masterpiece of the film. Mm. I will say that um, it ends much better than it begins, right? It's it, it's mm. got a five act structure, which is very unconventional. You know, we talked about Superman having three acts and Superman two having two acts. You know, together those two movies are a five act structure, but not a classic one. This is a much more sort of classic five act structure. 
but the first, you know, and it's half an hour, half an hour, half an hour, half an hour, mm. half an hour. But the the first act is actually really lackluster. And I don't feel a lot during that heist, the Joker heist at the beginning. And, you know, the whole point is capturing the, you know, the mobster's accountant mm. in Hong Kong, you know, is sort of the climax. And, you know, then, um, you know, it's not really the classic Joker that we remember isn't really there until the third act. Yeah. Until he's, you know, sort of arrested and everything else. He's he's still trying to scam the mob. He's still the guy who we never saw at the end of Batman Begins with a playing card, who's just really a hoodlum, you know, who wants money. By the end, he's burning money. You know, he's a totally different character. He's got a real arc, which people don't acknowledge, you know. Um, when Alfred says some people just want to watch the world burn, that's not who the Joker is. That's who the Joker becomes. Well, yeah, hundred percent. Because I say, we, what's funny is you're right. Because one of his first lines he says when he's introduced is, "If you're good at something, don't do it for free." Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and he's robbing a bank, right? Yeah, and he, and he's intimidating the mob, and he says, "I want like fifty percent, you know, of everything, right? Mm. I'm going to be the new kingpin." Um, that's not the same guy, who, you know, who says like, you know, I mean, obviously he says, you know, plans. You know, they scheme and have plans. Yeah. You know, I'm a dog chasing <sighs> a car. You know, um, that's not correct. He's, of course, he's a schemer. Um, you know, so I think that the there are ways in which we misunderstand Dark Knight. Mm. We misunderstand that Joker. Having said that, there's a reason why it's a classic. Um, I think you're right that it almost has the second origin story of sort of him being hunted at the end, right? Yeah why i like that i mean i i don't know that it should unfold in exactly this way but um but it knows that the best batman that the batman sort of needs to be outside the law and so i think at its best dark knight is kind of a philosophical experiment not just with the joker as an anarchist who wants to who's not going to follow the rules and how does batman deal with that but also obviously Two-Face, you know, the whole title of the movie is about Two-Face. It's about the White Knight. It's mm. about, you know, the fact that what the world the world needs, what Gotham needs, is a politician who cleans things up, right? Somebody who plays within the system and fixes the system, not a vigilante outside the system that's mm. never going to fix this. The movie knows that. It's interrogating the superhero. It's interrogating what Batman is. Um, and its conclusion ultimately is, you know, Batman can't be the White Knight. He can't be the White Knight light. He can't be the 1960s guy with a badge, yeah. you know, working with a commissioner. He's got to be on the outside of the law. And so I think you're right. It does That doesn't really work as like a second origin story. Like what it really should do is he should be on the outs of the law from day one. Until, you know, at some point in the future where he and the commissioner make nice. There is a little bit of a, you know, weirdness there. And I think that ultimately comes out in Dark Knight Rises that basically mm. there's no way to take this plot. I mean, Dark Knight Rises destroys this movie because yeah. the entire point is we can hunt him. He can take it. Well, except he just walked away, <laughs> retired, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> like that's the exact opposite of what you said at the end of this movie. Um but that doesn't take anything away from 
you know, by the end of this movie, all the pieces have come together, all of the people imitating Batman and having just really been vigilantes, you know, well, that's the that's the Dark Knight. That's mm. the the guy who, you know, what he's inspired. Um, you know, that's not what Gotham needs. All of it is like, you know, a chess piece, chess match that all the pieces come together in this really beautiful way in that ending. Um, and yeah, so obviously I'm going to mention it <laughs> yeah. on my list, but no, you're right. And that's the thing I do like. Yeah, the one thing is you say about this this Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises is the title of the third film, but the third film we get should be the fourth film. <laughs> yeah, at least. Yeah, like the, the, there's a film missing in this sequence, um, and I've always felt that that like because mm-hmm. you say like you know he needs to be hunted and you know, he goes no I don't <laughs> I'm gonna I'm done I'm out and you're like well you've just left the the city in a mess like surely there's <laughs> there's a mission to complete here like. Harvey Dent's gone, and Batman just took a walk because he couldn't be exactly who, yeah, you know, he wanted to be. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it does. It, it sort of leaves threads that never really get addressed, uh, which is a shame. Yeah, I agree. With but you are right. I think this this film does follow a, a, a fascinating. I think it, you know fascinating structure. I think it's paced really well. Um. I'll. I'll, I'll I disagree a little bit with the beginning. I think the the way I agree the ending is with sort of like some of the the way it sort of presents sort of things. So the end is really good, but um, the way it builds as well, I think is is you know sort of like you say the jigsaw pieces. It's it's chess piece. Like it sort of works throughout. There are things moving all the time um, throughout this, Um, and so yeah, I I just think it's you know it actually works incredibly well. Um, and it stands much like I said with those like it stands alone from the genre, like it works just as a sort of like you know, you go, Oh, it's just a good film, like it's just a really good film. Um, but one of the things I find most fascinating that's interesting is, uh, apart from Christian Bale, uh, all, all the good guys, we always talk about the, the villains. Uh, Cillian Murphy, a scarecrow, um, is the only one that appears in all three films. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and I love the fact that that sort of scarecrow. Barely gets mentioned when we ever mention these films, but he's the most consistent person in Gotham as a villain. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's a nice little thing that sort of Nolan did that throughout. Um, I enjoy that. Well, and really, you know, the the arc of Batman is about Ra's al Ghul, who trained him, mm. you know, and obviously Talia comes back in the third and it's the revenge of, you know, the League of Shadows and all that. I mean, there is a through line there. But that makes Dark Knight the weird one, right? Yeah. You know, and thematically, like, I don't know, it's a weird trilogy. Thematically, like the the Scarecrow, it makes sense as the through line because Batman is all about imposing fear on people, right, mm. and, and scaring them. But then they don't really seem to do a lot with him, and you know, and it's like, well, we've lost the Narrows at the end of Batman Begins, and then Dark Knight starts, and it's like, right, uh, a third of your city just went insane. What what are you gonna do about that? Ah, eh, nothing. We're we're gonna drop that because I've got this really cool story to tell you about the Joker. Um, and then Dark Knight Rises starts, and it's like, right, we don't really want to follow any of that. Five years later, yeah. you know, let's let's uh, do Dark Knight Returns. You know, yeah, yeah, it's it's it is a little weird. Um, there's a film. There's a film. There's a there's a missing film in this. There's a sort of a, a two point five, if you will. They say where someone comes in and takes advantage of the 
chaos that's left in the wake of um, Harvey Dent's death and, and, you know, these other things happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, you have a penguin come into power or something like that, you know, using corruption and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. It just feels like there's a missing, there's a bit of a gap. There's a story missing in the whole overall structure, but the dark Knight is still a fantastic film. I agree. What was your number three? Uh, my number three, and this might surprise you, is Watchmen. Mm, I uh, wondered if this was going to come up. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, Watchmen, the film, if you ignore the comic, right? If all we had was the movie, we would nobody would have stopped gushing about Watchmen. Mm. Uh, Watchmen would have been the masterpiece that showed the world what you can do with superheroes and superhero movies. Um, is it a little on the nose? Sure. Uh, you know, does it need to be probably even longer? Sure. Is it a little Zack Snyder? You know, a like little. I don't need. <laughs> Night- I, well, I mean, the thing is, like, Zack Snyder fought to keep shots in here and ideas in here. Yeah, the thing yeah, about yeah. Zack Snyder is like, every time you read an interview with Zack Snyder, okay, he's brilliant. He like Zack Snyder knew what he was doing with Man of Steel. And, you know, even having the Amazons be Kryptonians, which was an idea mm. that dropped. It's a brilliant idea. Brilliant idea, you know, to unify the entire mythology. I mean, he gets it. Every time you see an interview about Watchmen, like, he gets it. And then you see the actual movie and you're <laughs> like, oh, you don't get anything. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so like Night Owl's like punching through walls, you know, like he's obviously got superhero, super strength of some sort. But then you see Snyder interviews and he's like, it's all about being realistic and, you know, gritty, but he can't resist that kind of 300 style Mm -hmm. thing of just loving men with huge muscles hitting things in slow motion. Um, But, okay, that, you know, it's not a perfect movie, but it does have some of the best sequences of superheroes ever committed to, you know, uh, celluloid or, or you know, digital movie making. Yeah. I guess it's one of those. I have I have an interesting relationship with Watchmen overall. Cause I think I've I've read the the comic um a number of times. You know, and I think yeah it's good. It's it's got really good stuff in it. I think it's you know it works kind of well. Um it is you know you've really got to read it as a novel it is it you know it works well but there is that thing of going like, oh, I've got to kind of read it. Like, I don't read it for fun. Do you know what I mean? I can't just jump in and go like, oh, I'm going to read Watchmen. Like, I don't know some people can. I really can't do that. But the film sort of like is almost like the opposite of like where you've gone like, oh, it's, you know, I've got to be focused to read the, the, the comic. I've got to, because I want to take something from it and I want to read all the supplementary material, blah, blah, blah. But with the film, it's almost like, yeah, I can have it in the background and... I'm not, you know, I'm going to look at it every now and then go, yeah, that sequence looks amazing, but I'm not really taking anything from it. You know, it's sort of, it's it's almost like hollow in kind of ways. Um, but you're right, it has moments of genius. Absolute genius. And I think the, some of the casting as well, like the two I always call out is Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the comedian uh, and, and Jackie Earl Haley as uh, Rorschach. Uh, to me, it's just fantastic casting choices and they they work phenomenal um but 
they also like it, it trips up in itself when it's sort of both both of those characters are also the coolest characters in the film. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're supposed to hate them and be repulsed by them. <laughs> yeah, but then you're just sort of like, yeah, but they're the coolest, and like you, you get the feeling that sort of like what you know where Zack Snyder's gone. He's gone. Like, That'd be really cool. You're like, no. You know, no, you're not supposed to want to hang out with the comedian of Rorschach. Like they should terrify <laughs> you, um, and be yeah, you say be repulsed. And so it's just sort of like, yeah, it's that thing where you know, I'm I'm glad to watch certain scenes. Like there's that scene where sort of like you know the prison break scene with Rorschach, or like when he says to him, he says, you know, I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me, and and all this other stuff. And the finale works. I even think the finale of this film works slightly better. The idea of using Doctor Manhattan. Mm-hmm rather than the squid thing with all the artists and all that sort of stuff, works better. It's much more concise. It's much more sort of, you know, it makes, makes much more sense. Mm-hmm. So actually I think it improves on the end of the story. But yeah, it's kind of like long and some of it's really hollow and it looks great, like a music video. So I, it looks great and moments of genius. But it's also, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It is strange. I, the Dr. Manhattan origin sequence with, you know, him on Mars and everything, that doc, that whole issue, mm. which gets like 20 some minutes in mm. the movie, you know, if you just extracted that and <laughs> showed that as like an episode, you know, of a, of a series, you just say, I mean, what's going to beat this? This is, you know, as good as any superhero motion picture has ever got. Mm. Um, but as you say, it's like, you know, the next the next shot is sort of like, you know, the comedian looking badass as he murders, you know, Vietnamese civilians or something. And you're like, not sure you got the tone right. You know, yeah. like this is 100%. like Rambo three. You need to be doing Rambo one. Yeah, 100 percent. That's exactly it. Because you talk about the, the, the Dr. Manhattan origin and you have, you know, the whole thing with. Uh, I love that sequence where you sort of you see him you know, evaporated or whatever, destroyed in the machine, and then the nerve ending, the nervous system turns up or the artery system, and eventually sort of like he coalesces into this blue being. And you're like, oh, that is phenomenal, and it's sort of really interesting. And then he talks about being in Vietnam, and it's supposed, supposed to be sort of like horrific and tragic and this corruption. But yeah, the way it's filmed <laughs> is, is exactly that. It's like the comedian's badass with a flamethrower. Look at him lighting his cigar off a flamethrower. Isn't he cool? And you're like, um, mm. isn't he roasting children? Like, you know, aren't we supposed to be like, you know, it's like, yeah, ignore that. He looks great. And you're just like, oh, yeah, no, this is really not, you've not understood this scene at all. Like, you know, um, well, so yeah, that's it's, the it's, inherent it's really... fascism of superheroes, right? I mean, oh, it's 100%. Inherent... Yeah. I mean, I look, I put the Joker on the list. I recognize, you know, mm. <laughs> there's a problem here. You know, here's Watchmen. I recognize, you know, part of the, look, part of why we love Batman is because, you know, there's nothing wrong with a Joker that I can't solve with these here fists, you know? Yeah. Um, Hammers of I mean, justice. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, this is this is very much a, a violent male fantasy you know uh mm. it, it it is falling down right you know i mm. mean that element of the joker is there in every batman story, and you have to deal with it watchmen like like you know the original graphic novel tries to deconstruct your urge toward vigilantism snyder knows that 
and sort of knows better, but he can't resist the cool video, the cool image of like, you know, the comedian lighting a cigarette with a flamethrower that just killed civilians, you know? Um, it's like watching Apocalypse Now and going like, don't they look badass with Ride of the Valkyries playing? Like, no. <laughs> I really want to be Robert Duvall in Apocalypse Now. He's the character I want to be. Yeah. 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 Okay. No, I agree. It's a good film. It's a beautiful film. And I would say just to sort of highlight, I think, the opening sequence, which is sort of like um, a bit of a biography through a period of superhero mm. stuff, like, is, again, in and of itself, take that out of the film it's just a it's just a fantastic phenomenal sequence um incredibly well and new to that. the film yeah yeah yeah. and new to the film yeah yeah, uh, yeah. i won't uh, i won't my I won't. number two go on then you're go number ahead. two no i was gonna say i wouldn't number i won't diss his thing but like uh go on number two then is uh tim burton's batman 1989 mine too uh, yeah well <laughs> yeah um you know uh it's a classic Every line of dialogue. I mean, okay, so, you know, it's gothic. It's, you know, Burton doing, you know, but, you know, come on, man. I mean, every line of dialogue, even the stuff that doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, the, the world's first fully functioning homicidal artist, you know, yeah. no, Bob, I kind of like this one. You yeah. Know? I mean, you know, everything just is iconic now, is classic, is beautiful. Um, even the stuff that doesn't really quite make sense. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts? Very much the same. Um, it's one of those sort of, uh, as a kid, like, you know, that Batmobile for a start. Like, mm -hmm. the aesthetic of this film is insanely good. Like, it's the least populated Gotham ever in some scenes. Uh, but I love the designs. I love all the map paintings and all the stuff going on. Um, that sort of art deco industrial kind of look is incredible. Um, the score by uh, Danny Elfman is iconic. Um, I mean, this because of this film, we got Batman the Animated Series. You know, it sort of it, it holds mm -hmm. off. It holds on to some of those sort of aesthetics. Um, Michael Keaton is is actually I think is great as playing quirky, weird clearly dysfunctional bruce wayne like i think he's really good um the fact he invented the sort of what they call the batman twist now because he couldn't move his head so he had to move his mm -hmm. like, in, everything is done at the waist um you don't I, I, it's not until i was older that someone pointed out and you're like oh yeah it just sort of looks dramatic and you know, he has all those like turns where into the camera or sort of like, to look up and his whole body moves and so sort of it just looks um you know intentional it is intentional but it looks like it's you know it gives these grand gestures um and so everything you know, everything's iconic for this. nicholson just eats every scene <laughs> um you know and it's it, it like you say the stuff that doesn't make, make sense but even sort of him coming out sort of doing the whole mime thing where he sort of like you know kills the guy sort of like what you know uh, with the pen and turns the audience he's like the pen is truly mightier than the sword and then it's sort of all the gunfire or the end parade where he's sort of like you know i'm here giving away free money where's mm. the batman he's at home washing his Wash tights, his tights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the advert like this film is like you know the advert where you've got smile x and it's got like the mm. mo dead models in it and all this other stuff uh -huh. like, you know the film gets dark like this is like a burton 
really sort of going for it. But this film is iconic and it made a splash for a reason. Like, um, it's just even the sort of the opening where you get the score, which is again, I can't go over this. That the opening score is, is I miss, I miss music like this. Like, yes. you know, um, you know, John Williams, you know, um, scores for like Superman. We didn't mention the Superman score, but that Superman score mm-hmm. is, is just, you know, rousing beyond belief. But the, the opening of this film where you've got the dun 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 dun, dun, dun and it's going around the Batman symbol, but it's just this yes. carved stone. It's such a minimal opening, oh. but it works so well. It, My it, God, pull, yeah. it pulls out to this stone uh, Batman symbol. Mm. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Um this film's just iconic, like everything from the beginning. Some of it doesn't make sense. I'm gonna acknowledge like the fact yeah. he lets a couple a family get mugged and then intervenes after. Um in the opening sequence, you're a bit like, all right, fine. But um no, it's all brilliant. All of it is brilliant. Yeah, and you mentioned the design of the Batmobile, which you know mm. is still my Batmobile mm. uh, more than anything, uh any other. But also let's establish the Bat Wing. The Batwing yes. is amazing. And I love yeah. when it's silhouetted against the moon, <laughs> you know, and it's so, that's so gimmicky. And, and you know, can't, uh, you know, it's the, everything's got to look like Batman, you know, like the bat symbol, but damned if it doesn't work, you know, um, it's such a great shot. And don't forget, this is the first Batwing. There mm. were Batplanes before, but this is the first one that's designed like that and still the best design. Um you know, now it's downed by that ridiculous gun of the Joker, <laughs> you know. But, you know, yeah. Was that, so what? You know, um, you know, it, and it flies through the alleys, you know, pulls the balloons. I mean, very silly, you know. But, um, you know, don't forget that climax, mm. which, you know, we, we mentioned when we've talked off camera of sort of um, how often we hate superhero climaxes. And it's come out in sort of like, uh, you know, talk about Wonder Woman, uh, some of these other films. Um, how often the climax is a problem. Overblown. Batman, usually overblown, aren't they? Yeah. Batman is such a, you know, I mean, Kim Basinger's great, you know, yeah. first of yeah, all. Yeah. Um, and Batman is such a great example of a climax done well. First of all, it's one villain, right? Mm. Which they're smart enough to tie to his origin, right? So it's just like Ra's al Ghul, you know, like you try to tie it all together. So it's not just Dick Tracy's going to fight this guy this week, you know? Yeah. Um, so they try to tie it all together. I think that works here. And I think, you know, uh, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight, you know, it, it works. Uh, but then this climax is just in this ridiculous, you know, cathedral this gothic cathedral that's like a skyscraper tall uh it is sort of falling apart and but it's all you know beautifully choreographed and it's all charming and it doesn't have to have there's no there's no explosions there's no you know uh and it's damned if it doesn't work and it's it remains probably you know one of the most satisfying superhero climax conclusions um and it doesn't have any of those traditional elements. <clears throat> well, it give what I love about this is it gives you, it gives you all the sort of the explodey, explodey, and the punchy, punchy. But it's it, it keeps it, um, like contained, um, because it's got to be that final confrontation has got to be Batman versus the Joker. It's got to be like that. You know, this isn't going to be sort of like you know Skybeam and other massive things. This is just two guys 
going at it, you know, a sort of like an, a, a slightly old beyond middle age <laughs> Joker um, and a shorter Batman. But like, I love this ending. I love it so much. But what I love is they've sort of acknowledged you need to have some big action. So you have the plane with the balloons and all that sort of thing, you know. Um, and you've had all these sort of set pieces up until it, it keeps giving you the set pieces. And what it's this film works. Uh, I don't know if I've said this. It works like a wrestling story, right? One of the greatest things they do is they 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 keep tantalizing you. Like there'll be confrontations, you know, but you don't get the you don't get the the big fight until the end. <clears throat> like you know, they'll get like Bruce Wayne meets the Bruce Wayne meets the Joker. You want to get nuts? Oh, let's get nuts. You know, or uh, Batman saves Kim Basinger, sort of like you know, you know. Where do you get those wonderful toys? There's no confrontation. Mm. They keep just teasing each other until the very end. Um, but they still know they've got to give you the explodey punchy punchy. So you get the phenomenal sequence of the Batmobile going into Atme Chemicals, which is almost like a music mm-hmm. video. Like it's just sort of like, you know, then drops the bombs. And as it's exploding behind <laughs> you, you get the, the Elfman score giving you all that. Um, and then you get, yeah. I say, the Batplane and then just fighting all the villains up the stairs throughout. And all of this is done in this Burton-esque German expressionistic world, <laughs> and it never wavers. And I think that is phenomenal. Yeah, it's just so good. Sorry, I've gone on a bit there. Yeah, no, I I agree completely. Well, you know, we we both have it as our as our number two. Um, so, what's your number one? Uh, number one is, as I say, sort of, when I think of like superhero films, it's got to be superhero-y. It's all about sort of like that's the the big thing. I'm taking it away. Um, and so to me, my number one is the Avengers, the 2012 Avengers film. Um, it's the culmination of their first, you know, their phase, if you will. It was a perfect sort of crossover and culmination of those characters. It you see, it's not really about anything, but it's sort of it works for me as both the end and the start of a story, like it's really works as sort of like, you could just watch the end of that and go, that was, that's your Avengers kind of thing. But it also opens up the world by having them all meet and form relationships. Um, But it's just like, this is what a comic book spectacular to me should look like. Um, And I think it's helped by the casting. I think the MCU did a really good job of casting its characters. Um. You know, I think I've always thought Chris Evans is great as Captain America. Um, Robert Downey Jr. I think is is worked incredibly hard to hold it all together. Um, and Chris Hemsworth just playing that sort of dumb, dumb jock kind of thing as 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 Thor, and it works. It just works really well. Um, and so, yeah, to me, it's just like you said. I was keeping it up because it is it is peak MCU. It's the this is when sort of like all, um, you know pistons were firing and it just got it right and this is what a superhero film should be and like you said this should have been what like the justice league film should have been which is kind of why they hired just that's why they hired joss whedon and it went went a bit wrong but um this this is yeah this is when it works this is sort of like perfect build up to it and then the payoff was was just um uh just really really well done We've always done it. So, what about you? What's your number one? Well, no surprise for me. Number one is uh, the Dark Knight. Yeah, uh, you know. So, you know, we we've already talked about that. Uh, you know, and I mean, for me, 
you're right. I can see the argument that like the Avengers is the on a list of superhero movies. I mean, the sort of like you know everything in the kitchen sink, you know, uh, approach. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's trivial, but you know, at the end of the day, at, I can certainly see the argument of it as the best superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know, for me, uh, Dark Knight is the movie that. You can show anyone and say, this is an amazing movie. Yeah. You know, like you will come away from this movie being changed, you know, um, you know, with uh, thinking about these ideas and, uh, you know, these characters. Um, So, you know, for me, it's the it's the one that sort of transcends is obviously a superhero movie. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's not as much of the flashy Avengers thing, but it, it's obviously a Batman movie, right? I mean, it's not realistic. It's, you know, uh, superheroes and supervillains fighting each other and yet manages to transcend that and, you know, and just be an astoundingly good movie from, from start to finish. I only wish that there, I could say the same thing of of Dark Knight Rises and that there were more, you know, in this list like that. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises is a is an odd one. It's it's it sort of needs a discussion in and of itself. Like you need to, it needs an in depth discussion to be like, why does like, some parts of it work, others don't? But the, the Dark Knight is, as you're right, it, it transcends the genre and is just a fantastic film. Um, mm. And you know, I, I think really, I think more because it came out the same year as Iron Man. I think really, sort of like from you know Kevin Feige and Disney's point of view I guess I think the success of Iron Man was clearly a, a you know why they sort of moved forward the MCU but I also think they saw the Dark Knight and were like oh you can do all kinds of things with this and it's going to be a success cool that's a good sign for us in the future as well yeah I mean I I sort of think that I mean if we think about 2008 I mean, you know, as a key year, right? Mm. That basically, like, I mean, it's interesting to me that, you know, I sort of got like Superman Returns 2006. Yeah. That's the sort of like build up to, you know, Marvel securing the money, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at that time to to do the MCU. Well, that's uh, Incredible Hulk. Right. Yeah, Incredible Hulk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it? No, well, that, you know, no. that, that is Incredible the Hulk Ang Lee one. The Ang Lee Hulk. There. That's what I'm thinking around. Yeah, yeah, Hulk. Right. But so, you know, um, th- there's this sort of like shifting period right there in 2006, 2008. For me, 2008, you know, you're talking about like, you know, Dark Knight. Dark Knight is pointing the way in a very different direction. I think what's hmm. really sad about Dark Knight is that, um, you know, when you think about it uh, and Iron Man that year, and then, you know, 2012 is the Avengers and Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight really points the way for um superheroes to do something different Mm. i think by then we've already had a glut of superhero movies i mean you know let's not forget by the time the mcu gets going it gets going because there's already a glut of superhero stuff um to which it will soon contribute in great quantities yeah um dark knight is already at a point where it's saying look we've had plenty of superhero movies 
let's try to tell a fucking story. Let's try to do something different with this. Let's try to actually make a great movie more along the lines of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. To mm-hmm. me, Captain America, the Winter Soldier is the inheritor of Dark Knight, if any. Agreed. You yeah. know, but Dark Knight is saying, we've already seen this. Let's do it. Marvel comes around and says, no, we refuse to do anything different. We refuse to do anything good. We're not interested in that. We want to give you the popcorn stuff. And we're going to distill that into the masterpiece that is the Avengers. You know, I I acknowledge that. But, you know, we can distill that popcorn crack, your your superhero crack, into a more distilled form than ever. Straight into your vein every every couple of months. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and to me, that's really very sad, you know, because ultimately that's obviously the, the direction we went. And, you know, nobody's even really tried to do the Dark Knight since then. No. I mean, maybe the Winter Soldier, you know, is, is at least trying to do an espionage movie, but nobody's really attempted outside of Watchmen, mm-hmm. you know, the next year, nobody's, you know, really gone for this kind of. Well, thing. I think the thing is, my number one, the Avengers set the template because once they got the big when that once that blew through a billion dollars and they were mm. like, oh, the crossover movies the thing, well, you can see that's what happens with you know the studio Warner Brothers are all over Zack Snyder. They're like, right, cool. When's when's the when's the crossover coming? Oh well, yes. we'll do it in the next film. Okay, Batman v Superman, and it's sort of. You know the pressure feels. I don't care at this point with the whole MCU thing, uh, MC sorry DCEU thing. Um, Zack Snyder feels a little bit like George Lucas. You know, and George Lucas sort of talks about what he intended for his nine film saga back in the you know in the eighties, and you go, yeah, I'm sure you had a loose plan, but like this isn't you know. I kind of feel that with Zack Snyder when he's like, no, this is what we were going to do. You know, the Amazons would be from Krypton, and this would happen, that would happen, and I'm like, cool. I'm sure that's exactly what you thought. But I don't think you thought that was going to happen in four films. I thought you were you were yeah. thinking six, seven films was going to be building up to this thing. Like Warner Brothers contracted that, and and you know, mm. unfortunately, I think sort of much to the detriment. Um, we're going to wrap up soon. So we're sort of running very much time. One final question for all these sort of films: Is there one superhero that you would like to see get the film treatment? You know that you think would be able to deliver something interesting at least. Yeah. That, that hasn't been, been done possibly or yeah, or, or could just need to be revisited to give it, you know, um, a decent run. What would, what would you do? You got full, I'm going to write you a blank check. What, what superhero <laughs> are you going to do? Well, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously Batman is pretty strongly represented here. Um, you know, uh, Superman's pretty strongly represented mm. here. You know, we both think, you know, Wonder Woman's great. You know, we've seen good examples of that. I mean, what I think is really, you know, sad to me is that, you know, the, the MCU went in the popcorn direction and, you know, didn't aspire to do good movies. Mm. Um, and, you know, I could hear people yelling already. <laughs> and, um, you know, DC went in this bizarre you know, idiosyncratic direction. Um, and I think that really, you know, to me, um, Superman Returns, I come back to as sort of like pointing the way. Um, 
because what that what it was doing was looking back on Superman and Superman two. I don't think you need to throw out three and four and Supergirl, but you know whatever. Um, and in the same way, you know we've had uh, um, Keaton come back for the Flash. Mm-hmm. I want to see a great Green Lantern movie. I want to see a great Flash movie. I want to see you know more you know Wonder Woman stuff. Um, but I, I you know I'd like to see stuff that honors what has come before it and is you know either continuing that or has a reason for not you know and i think man of steel and what we've gotten has largely not had a reason for going in a different direction um and largely failed and kudos to warners for giving people the freedom to do that but yeah um what about you no, I think we, we sort of covered this thing way back when we talked about these ideas. I think Green Lantern. I think there's scope to do something, you know, mm. like you say, the cosmic side of the MCU is all very comedic. You know, you've got um, Green uh, the Guidance of the Galaxy, um, you know, mid, mid, uh, Captain Marvel, which is apparently the Marvels, which is coming, is going to be wacky. It's going to be a wacky adventure, which is how it's described. <laughs> Anyone ever uses the word wacky, I'm out instantly. That is one of my icks. I'm just like, no, I'm sorry. If that's if you're going to describe it as wacky, then I'm kind of out. But I think with the with the Green Lantern, the idea of the Green Lantern Corps, and you know this in, this sort of like space police and all this other stuff. I think there's so much there that could explore. I'm not, you know, don't let Jeff Johns do it, right? Mm. Give mm-hmm. give it go a different direction. But I just think, yeah, the Green Lantern Corps and the Green Lantern Green Lantern sort of has got legs to do something that's really interesting. I think. Um, you know, use those sci-fi tropes to say something about modern society. As we on Earth, you can do different planets, you can do all kinds of things. But I think the Green Lantern could be a way to do those kinds of things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Anyway, we are done for Rocketeer today. Two coming soon. Oh, I wish this rebooted. Just bring me back the Rocketeer. It never happened. I don't. Th- I think they've lost that. All those pulp heroes have, have, have done. Unfortunately. We'll see. Well, um, wait until the superheroes implode in the next couple of years, and you know, give it five years, and we'll we'll have uh, you know the shadow back uh, or or the rocketeer or something. I like wouldn't that. complain. I really wouldn't complain. I'd be amazed. Yeah, yeah. You, not just the MCU. We're gonna have Warren Beatty physically implode, and then someone can get the rights back to Dick Tracy <laughs> as well. Um, but yes, I know. But Julian, thank you very much for coming on Twentieth Century Geek and and doing this. It's been really good fun to do this. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, let us know what are your top 10, what's your top one, top five. Let us know what your thoughts are on top 10, uh, superhero films of all time. Are we off? Are we close? I think some of the ones you know, might be contentious. Others I think are very much sort of on the money. Um, but anyway, let us know. Find us at 20th century geek on X and all other social medias, Facebook, Instagram threads. I'm on them all. Uh, we're out there. Uh, come find us um, and of course if you really like what we're doing leave a review and check out the patreon there's a link down below uh, and go check out the sister podcast which you probably listen to anyway uh, stories at uh, stories god almighty my brain's gone it's late stories out of time and space where julian and i discuss sci-fi films and other things we've literally just sort of we're working our way through uh, black mirror episode by episode for our inter-season uh, retrospective and it's a it's a doozy Go check that out. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Julian, thank you very much. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. And we shall see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.